welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got six games here on a kind of weird slate on Monday night in the NBA. Only two teams on the back-to-back. That's the Clippers and the Suns as they face each other. Uh, We've got five other games, but a few guys on the injury report, especially for that Pacers and Celtics game. Some fun ones out there. Probably some pace in a lot of these games. But we'll take a look at best bets in this video. We also have play a props up as we do each and every weekday. So go ahead and like and subscribe to that page. Follow along all season with us. Also want you to head to thelines.com and use the props finder tool up there under the NBA tab. Make sure you're getting the best odds available to you for all from all of these books that are giving us bets this NBA season. Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first best bet as we both spend a lot of time talking about this Milwaukee Jazz game because we know who is and who isn't playing. Yeah, we know that Giannis is going to come out to looking to back up his words probably. So without even picking a winner, I'll take Giannis to go 35 and 10 at even money here. Um, Damian Lillard is, is ruled out for personal reasons. And Giannis, if, if you were not aware, called out the entire team, starting with the equipment manager, which is a nice uh, take. Uh, maybe he's been watching Ted Lasso and decided to involve that guy. Uh, but yeah, he, need, he needs to do better. Coach needs to do better. Everyone around me needs to do better. And I need to do better, which is obviously going to mean him being very aggressive against a weird jazz team that I'll talk about in a minute. But I mean, Giannis has played two games without Dame this year. He had 54 against Indy. He had 35 at Orlando, which is a better defensive team. And of course, that's on the road. His usage rate, 45%. And he shot 72% from the field in those games. Got to the line. Also averaged 11 rebounds lately. I mean, he's been ramping up the effort on the boards, even with Dame in the lineup. 35 points a game, 14 rebounds. And the usage rate, only 33%. So you can expect that to be higher here with limited options around him. The Jazz, I I mean, they are kind of a tough matchup when they were playing Walker Kessler down low more last year. Now they've kind of, you know, gone in and and out in terms of that lineup with with more John Collins. Not going to, you know, Larry Markkinen, that combo is not going to be able to stop Giannis. I don't know if Walker Kessler is either. I think, you know, some of his... (laughs) His, his re- recent results against the Jazz were just skewed by blowouts. Or, I mean, the other one last season, he did go 30-15 and 15 with, with his sidekicks, Drew and, and, and Middleton, active. Okay, but so the Jazz, I have to first just kind of say Mia culpa on Friday for saying they, they can cover in Boston. They did not get off the bus, and they got trucked. And then they turn around the next night and win in Philly against the Embiidless Sixers. But, I mean, what you see in those, you know, even without Embiid in there, is a real regression defensively from what I was saying. Like, oh, they've been pretty good in their last seven. Maybe some of that was strength of schedule. Because their last two on the road, they are back to being the road jazz, allowing the second most fast break points, eighth most offensive rebounds, uh, you know, the most three-point attempts and plenty of makes, and third most free throw attempts after being top ten in all of those in their in their nice little win streak here. So, I mean, while Giannis isn't the guy making the threes, uh, that definitely indicates the Bucs are going to have some success offensively, better spacing, and then he's going to do what he does, which is just knife in there, get his points down low. And an aggressive Giannis is, is a Giannis you want a tail, for sure. I haven't seen a top scorer market yet, but if it's minus 150 or better, you definitely can take Giannis to outscore Markkinen, Clarkson, whoever else on the Jazz might come out and, and score here because he's, he's probably looking at 35 to 38 points here. The core bet is 35 and a half points. Like I, I just trust that first and foremost is that he's going to back up his words. 
That's fair. Yeah, he's going to come out, and that's why you definitely attack the the rebounds and and the points are high. But I mean, the, this is this is a good spot against this Jazz team for a power forward of his nature. It's kind of always a good spot for him. Sometimes worse than others, but this is definitely one of those more Swiss cheese style defenses that we'll see on the road for the Utah Jazz, as we've talked about consistently. So I'll just get into my bet since it's relevant here, which is I'm actually going Brook Lopez under. 22 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. And I'm going to parlay that with the Milwaukee Milwaukee money line. And it's uh, pretty good juice at about one plus 145, wherever you can find it, right around there. If you find plus 150, that's great. I'd play it down like plus 135. That's fine. I'm really just taking the, the Brolo under here and adding in the game just to get the plus money and, and feeling like, yeah, like you said, the team is going to respond um, with whatever, with to, to Giannis's words. The, the Brook bet here is based on, I think a little bit of uh, inflation on his lines because uh, Dame is out and they don't really know what to do with this, to be honest. Uh, I I don't think the books know how to to really cap this particular game right now. Uh, If you look at the, uh, the Chris Middleton stuff, I'll talk about that in the, uh, in the player props video. That's a very good example of it. Like, I don't think they know what to do with Chris Middleton's stats right now. Now that he's playing and Dame isn't, we don't know what it's like without a a point guard in there. Maybe. So we'll, we'll figure that out. But for Brooke, like I said, 22 and a half is too high. He's gone under nine of his last 10, even in the two that he played without Dame this season, uh, he had 13 uh, points, rebounds and assists and six points, rebounds and assists in those two games playing uh, 28 minutes or so in those games. This isn't a good matchup for him. And if he is out there, there's like Walker Kessler, like you said, not in the starting lineup playing around 20 minutes at times, 20 like sub 20 minutes in, in certain games. Um, and, and that's why you would want to keep Brooke out there. I would imagine even if he is out there, if he's guarding a John Collins or if he's guarding, where's John Collins standing on offense in the corner on the three point line. So what, how is Brooke going to get rebounds for about there? Right. He's not, he's going to go back to sort of uh wing Brooke, if you will. Right. There's games where he's playing like the Cavs or maybe the magic, even the Pacers with miles Turner, since they play similarly and he can really run up and down with, with, with miles Turner as well as anyone like those games. Maybe you, you take some Brooke stuff because the minutes will be there. He needs to bang body or like the rebounds I'm saying too, you, you would take, right. Because the minutes would be there and the, and the, and the, um, down low sort of play for him would be there. And I just, it's not going to be that way necessarily as much in this game and just leave the, the lane open for Giannis. It's, it's back to that sort of Chris Middleton, Giannis two man game uh, with whomever else on the wing, which was at times Drew holiday also cutting. So you have, you know, one cutter, one wing Giannis and, and Chris go ahead and do your thing. And then Brooke plays off of that as the, at, at the three point line. And I don't think the points will be there for him as a result. If he's not like going to the free throw line at all, which is only when he's playing down low, et cetera, then that's, that's when you go ahead and take him. Um, and, and on the season, he's gone under this uh, 27 out of the 36 games that he's played, only looking at like 10 rebound chances uh, it, on, on average, right? And some of those are inflated when he does play down low in those games where there's true centers that are banging down low against him a lot more. And that's not going to be the, <clears throat> the case in this one. It's going to be a lot more wing play, obviously. If the Jazz can keep up on offense, it'll probably be like a decently fun, fast-paced scoring game. If they can't, then the Bucks will just probably blow them out and the Jazz will continue to play no defense. Yeah, surprisingly, Brooke in two in his two games without Dame, we're looking at three and thirteen PRA. So I would have thought like I'm scared, like maybe he's the secondary option here alongside Giannis, but that certainly hasn't been the case in those matchups. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say maybe you want the over on his threes. It's juiced to two threes, uh, because uh-huh. because the Jazz are giving up a lot of three point attempts lately, and because he's going to be drawing those bigs away and, and firing, you would assume without Dame out there, they're going to need him for spacing. But 
yeah, I'm fine with the under on total bulk stats because his his value is more than what he puts in the stat sheet for sure. Mm-hmm. So the Miami Heat, Josh, it's a small state slate. We got to take what we know here. And I will take the Heat to cover four points against the Rockets. They are home for the first time since Christmas and start to celebrate, you know, get excited uh, if you're a Miami Heat fan, I guess, because you've got Bam back. And I was initially looking at this game as an over because Rockets, they, they changed the way they play without Dylan Brooks, the Heat had been going over a lot at home. Then I realized that's just because Bam was missing those home games. Now Bam is back, and that means very good defense. It also means fewer points. Um, but, you know, instead of looking at under instead, I, w- I would still consider that if it spikes to like 220, 221, because it is rising from, from you know, it's already risen three, four points from where it opened. Uh, consider the Heat money line with the under if you can get it high enough. But I, I think I just want the Heat to win here. Because of Bam, and because he is the best matchup, I think you can throw at Alperen Shangun, who has really been carrying this Rockets team and, and been their most effective offensive player, um, <clears throat> making up for the fact that Brooks has been out by you know ramping up their offense. But I will say, like their defense has been much better in their last three to six game. I mean, they've been at without Brooks for six, and and in the last three there, they've dropped to six in the defensive rating. Their top eight. In, in the things you might worry about, second chance points, fast break points off turnovers, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, but Shangun in four matchups with the Heat, 10.8 points per game, minus 32 on the floor. Fred Van Fleet, very inefficient. His last four against the Heat. Jalen Green, very inefficient against most people. Also against the Heat, shooting less than 40%. I just don't know where the Rockets are going to get points in the clutch here when you have Bam Adebayo, the best pick and roll defender in the league, I will say on Shangun, who does most of his damage off pick and roll. Like, just look at the numbers. Their defensive rating is six points better per 100 possessions without with Bam. Um, They do score less without Jimmy Butler, and they will be without him. But Tyler Hero back in there, uh, he'd been playing better in that sense. And even without Bam for a couple of those home games, I mean, they were third in pain points allowed, um, you know, allowing a lot of threes, but at league average on the shooting. Uh, from three-point range and sixth overall in opponent's field goal percentage. So, I mean, they this is still the Heat team that can put the clamps on. You know, those numbers are skewed in part because they're playing really good offenses in some of those home games. I don't think the Rockets are that. I'm I'm not buying into them being a team you can trust on the road all the time just because they have won a few road games at this point. Uh, and, you know, they, they're coming off that Milwaukee win, maybe smelling themselves. But the Heat are, are a team you cannot just – you can you cannot roll over like this ain't Atlanta or Washington or something where you're just going to have a happy go lucky 120 scoring when you go into Miami again when they have their first home game in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I support it. It makes it makes total sense. My thing that I said before we started recording was I just am now only targeting the heat when they're 100 percent supposed to lose. And then you go ahead and feel a little bit better about them. Um, they're they're definitely not supposed to lose this game. I, I don't think. Dylan Brooks makes a huge difference. I do think you can rely on on the difference in that Houston team on the road versus at home. I do do buy into that that they're much better there. There's so many young guys on that team; it makes complete sense. So it's a it's a correlation that I'm definitely buying into. And with the Heat at home, if if you yeah if, if you think they're they're better at home, they have been this season as well. Even though they had a really nice road trip recently, um, that that's definitely the case. Obviously, without Jimmy too, so they're kind of used to that at this point. I don't really put stock into it anymore like the with and without Jimmy stuff isn't really that relevant especially this season um and and Tyler Hero 
is going to be a, a lot more free to do what he needs to do in this game as well. Uh, we, we didn't talk about him too much, but he's had a couple of nice games. Obviously, he still randomly disappears, uh, and you don't understand why, but when he's going to have a high usage like that in a game that the, the backcourt's going to be a lot easier to move through, especially Tari Eason also out in this one. Um, I, I'm with the Heat at, at a small spread under five like this. I'm going to close out with more of a lean, Nate, because we don't know much about this Phoenix and Clippers game to end the night on the West Coast out here. My lean, though, is that the Clippers will win this thing. And to get it back to some decent juice, uh, I'm going to take the Bucks win instead of the Heat win. Both talking about how we might parlay it, but I'll go with the Bucks on it uh, and get it up to uh, like plus uh, 158-ish around that. Minus 130, sir. For For both of them? Yeah. Oh, no, I had the Heat in there. You had that at plus 140 for the Heat? That's right, yeah. If you took the Heat, ah, you would be in it. plus That's money. Right. But Milwaukee, yeah, nine-point favorites. You're not going to get that much juice from that. All right, well, it's a lean. So we'll take the minus 130 and, and move on. I don't think with this lean there's that much I'm concerned about because I don't think we're seeing anywhere near three, right, of the, the big three for, for Phoenix. Uh, more likely one might potentially, right? KD missed a game recently. It's possible that he would sit in this one after they did um, get get beat to the Grizzlies without Ja last night. They're both coming off losses, but the Clippers are a better team. And and I don't know if you saw LeBron dunk over Paul George with a guy hanging on his hip last night. He just turned back the clock, man. That was absolutely bonkers to watch. He took off from right inside the foul line. That's that was emblematic of that game last night. Like LeBron was like, I'm winning this game because he's he's been putting up 30 points and they've been losing. And he was like, that ain't happening tonight with this 30 points. So that that's what happened to the Clippers last night. What happened to the Suns was I, I don't know, man. They gave up 25 points to Marcus Smart, who was dropping threes all over the place on him. So there's there's some problems with the defense that have been there the whole time. And if you know, if KD and Book both score 25 or less like like last night. What are you supposed to do? So the Clippers defense, everything about the Clips, man, like the Clippers defense has been fine. It's just it's way better when Kawhi is in. Kawhi has played four of the five back-to-backs that they've had this season, um, and he's been very good in two or three of them uh, and, and bad in one of them where they, they got beat by the Mavs. They're pretty bad. But uh, in the rest of them, yeah, he's looking at like 31 points, 23, 38. He's getting in on the board. So if he's going to be in there, then, yeah, this is just a much better team. Since Harden got there, they've now only lost once with Kawhi in the lineup, and that was last night to the Lake Show uh, since Harden arrived. So with both of them on the floor, things have actually, they're, they're still pretty slow, but it's so efficient right now um, that, that there have been plenty of overs because their offensive rating uh, is up to about 122 when those two are on the floor together and in, in the games that they're there for as well, right? So, and that's their, also their on-court rating together in that two-man lineup, which is very good. Paul George is finding his. He's basically just like a glorified, really good shooting guard at this point, to be honest. Um, he's not quite doing the do-it-all stuff, but that's why Kawhi's been so important to their defense. And if he's going to play, then I'll, I'll buy into it that it's more of a 114 defensive rating, which is what it is when he's in versus the 124 that it skyrockets to when he's not in. Um, and yeah, I think this is a, a pretty good matchup as well for uh Ivica, we'll see. Nurk will be in there, but uh, I think uh, Zubac is going to get minutes as a result of the fact that if, if Nurk is playing tonight, which he should be, then yeah, we're talking about plenty of minutes for him as well because they, they rely on him to get assists and do everything else and facil- they actually have to run stuff through Nurk uh, when they only have one of the big three on the floor. With the big three, there's historic stuff going on. 135 offensive rating with that three-man lineup in like 
62 minutes, right? Like, like three coast to coast episodes is how long that they've been on the floor together. So I, I don't think that with just one of them tonight, which is most likely what we'll see. And even if not, like, like we said, the Clippers have been playing their guys on the back to back. So I'll take them with the money line. I'll just take the minus 130 with them and the, the Buckos. I guess, yeah, you're saying one of them being Booker, I guess, because yeah. Durant, I mean, he was out with the hamstring strain. Will he go yeah. on a back-to-back? Beal, it, the, the lower back flares up all the time. Will he go? Those, those are the guys who are likely to sit. I mean, the Clippers might in turn sit somebody, but I trust, like, from an organizational standpoint, which is crazy to say, right? Like, I trust the Clippers to give you a fair shake and to try to win this game. The Suns are this year's Clippers. There's two way to look at that. There's two ways to look at that. And one is to just say like they're the ones playing the long game, not caring about the regular season, giving their stars all the rest that they might need. Um and they they're also kind of like the Clippers when they got Harden and they could not win a game because they were integrating this big 3 and trying to figure out how the pieces work and like you said, it's been like two and a half games ish where they've actually had them on the floor and against Memphis last night, they just could not figure it out. Nobody could get going. Um, so, I mean, when, when you have Kawhi just like cooking people to the point that, you know, you know, when you hear like the entire gym, just start to go like, Oh, he's going to score. He's going to score. It doesn't matter who is on him. Like he's just cooking people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As long as Kawhi's active, I'll put the Clippers in whatever money line parlay you want. And, and I think you're still definitely live if you bet it now before you know which of these stars are going to sit. Yeah. It's, I mean, it might not move that much if like Paul George is ruled out or what have you. Right. And, and then also both of the, the big three on the side, like this is at minus six and a half, in my opinion, mostly because like they're expecting both KD and Beal to sit. Right. So I don't know that this, it jumps too much. I think you can wait to a degree if you're putting it in a, in a parlay with things, but yeah, if you want to hit it now with the knowledge, like the strong assumption that two of the, the it's really just Booker for the Suns, then I'm with that. So Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first bet as we talk about this seas and Pacers game. Yeah, I'll take Tyrese Halliburton to bounce back. Uh, over 34 and a half points assists. If you want a full unit, and then I think you put a quarter unit on him to have two or fewer turnovers at plus 130. Nice juice here. He's coming off a rare down game where he he had what 17, 7, and 5 with four turnovers against Boston. That is rare. I mean, in eight games since the in-season tournament funk kind of wore off for the Pacers, he's averaging two turnovers. He's also averaging uh, 23.5 points, 14.5 assists, with the most potential assists in the league, with a plus 100 plus-minus rating, you know, just MVP stuff. The most 15 assists, zero turnover games you've seen in the modern era, basically. And, I mean, Porzingis had to check out early of that game on Saturday. It looks like he's going to miss tonight. Um, the last time they faced, they, you know, they faced Boston in the in-season tournament with Noah Porzingis, with Al Horford getting run off the floor. Um, Halliburton had a triple-double, 26-10 and 13. Recent results after a loss, you know, again, since they snapped that funk. 29-15 versus a very good Orlando defense, 33-10 and 10 at Houston. I emphasize the at uh, because Boston, you know, is another team that that's just not their defense is not as good on the road. Their three point defense in particular is not as good. Um, Halliburton hitting like three and a half threes in that span. He's, you know, ready to pull against this Boston team. Boston allows the fifth most points to point guards in their last 15 games. And surprisingly on the season, forcing very few turnovers from the position in general. Uh, the fact that Halliburton averages more points and assists on the road, 40, in fact, versus he does average this 35 at home is typically a blowout factor. And, you know, you look at the close games they had recently against the Bucks, Magic Knicks, 
he averaged what uh, 44 points and assists, you know, nearly 17 assists per game, including a couple 20 assist games in there. Um, so yeah, I trust him to bounce back after a rare down game. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was an interesting rare down game as well. Um, but now we're back with the the, the same matchup and. I, I have no reason to go like it, it's like trying to talk to me about like Tyreek Hill receiving props like all you're going to do is just rattle off these historic numbers for a wide receiver it's the same concept for for Halliburton with the assists and the potential assists and the lack of turnovers in there as well and and yeah I think the bounce back game is is always there like I, I love taking him as someone to come back from uh, a performance that was underwhelming for him and for cer- certainly the team the 101 points like we talk about so uh, I'm going to go under back in that Milwaukee game there for Chris Middleton under 12 and a half rebounds and assists minus 107 on FanDuel. And I, I like the juice there. I, Dame is out. And <laughs> here's the thing. Like I, I am seeing some stuff where people are coming out and being like, oh my God, Chris Middleton, seven and a half assists. That's so many. He's never done this. He doesn't do this. Like look at the recent numbers. It's like, don't look at the recent numbers. Dame isn't in. I get that, but it's still too high. It's just like those people are coming out with this, these straw man arguments that are not really relevant here because what's relevant here is like, he's playing in the Dame position now, right? He's a bit more involved in a pick and roll. He's playing out on uh, at the top of the key in the three-point line. He takes a step in more than Dame to hit a, a mid-range shot. But the point is, is like if he's going to get similar output from the position that is in the offense that Dame was occupying, that still doesn't lead to rebounds and assists. It just leads to more shots. So he's probably going to get like 18, 19 field goal attempts in this game, uh, depending on how often he tries to, to like, they, they actually like, put a few more guys on him, but I don't, there's no double teams really coming when, when it's a pick and roll with he and Giannis or he and Brolo. Uh, there's just really like hedge out on him. You're less worried about his three than you are his mid range, but if he's open, then fine, he, he's going to be shooting it. I think this is just a game where he's going, he's like playing basically like a shooting guard, not a small forward, in which case that he's going to be playing out on the wing that take away the, the rebounds right there. But as far as the assist go, like I don't see the potential assist rising for him because like hugely, just because he's, like I said, in that Dame role, it's more of like you're responsible for being the best three-point shooter off of the dribble now or being capable of taking your guy off of the dribble and either hitting – like I don't know that he'll get all the way to the rim as often as Dame does because of his lack of quickness, but he doesn't need to. He's much bigger, and he can just pull up from anywhere around 15 feet and in, and it's it's one of his best shots, right? He's one of the best mid-range players in the league for that reason. So uh, I, I just think the rebounds and assists are still uh, inflated because like the public perception is that, oh, he should he's going to get a ton of this or he's not, whatever, and the books are just continuing continuing to put it out as though like he's going to just soak up like these point guard slash, you know, uh, numbers. But I I think most of it for him is going to be score and not close enough to the basket to get these rebounds against a really good rebounding team, by the way, in Utah, second best rebound percentage in the league. Yeah. I mean, I would fade the assist. I mean, count me among the people being like that, that is too high. Um, I mean, regardless of the fact that like, we don't have a sample size to work with, like you were fading Dame Lillard to go under seven and a half assists in great matchups. Like for for weeks like you've been doing this, Josh, and he's an yeah. actual point guard who's yeah. who's going to get into the lane and and spray the ball out. Like Chris Middleton is not used to playing that position. If he is asked to initiate at all, I mean, campaign should probably draw the start right and and do some of that initiation. And we should see a lot of maybe Giannis running pick and rolls and Giannis right. being aggressive. Like trust Middleton to maybe up his scoring after everybody was called out. But I mean, nineteen and a half points is also high. Like if you want to go under twenty seven and a half points at assists. That's fine. I, I, yeah, I mean, Utah's a good rebounding team, but to me, like, I think we just go under the assist because that's what we are able to, like, analyze and forecast, you know, versus where the ball bounces. But, um, 
Speaking of assists, I will take Josh Giddy to get five and plus money there. And I know he hasn't really like shown it yet, that he hasn't even earned minutes yet for for very much. I mean, still only 25 minutes a game in his last seven. Um, but, you know, he has in his last 14, he has at least four assists in 13 of those games. He's averaging just under five. And, you know, that that breakout game or break back into a normal rotation player is coming. And maybe at a, in a cakewalk matchup at Washington, it is coming. I mean, Washington, as we know, allows the most assists per game. Um, it's even more at home. It's over 30. It's 31 and a half in their last eight. Uh, they're allowing opponents to shoot 50% and score 126 at home. So, I mean, it, it can't get much better. I mean, Giddy did go over this in two matchups against Brooklyn recently, a team that does limit assists a little bit um, <clears throat> versus Washington, which is just a sieve. I mean, he's making 36 passes in those 25 minutes. Like he's not really out there looking for his shot as much as trying to be the traditional tall point guard. He is, he has a 17 to 5% assist to pass ratio. So even though like he's not out there, you know, you, you, the quality of passes are good there. I, I don't know if I trust this potential assist number at only six. I mean, that that might just be because SGA has been doing a lot of isolation in half court in tough matchups. The Thunder have been playing good teams lately. Whether you consider the Nets a good team, I don't know. But, I mean, it was it's it's a situation where it's like yeah. bogged down. Nets limit assists. They for, they, and, then, and as soon as that happens, it forces SGA to just kind of take over, get his, and and tamp down the entire team assist for the Thunder. But I think in this matchup, it's going to be fast-paced and and the point guard itself will get uh, plenty of assists for the Thunder. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm in this game with you as well. You, you, you like the, I don't want to say the Wizards to hang around, but maybe not be like down 20 points by the third quarter. Like maybe that's still like within 10, right, 12 points throughout the game and they're sort of just like hanging around kind of thing. Shout out Teddy KB, KGB. So... Uh, I would I would agree that it's possible for him with, to, to to keep minutes at least at like 25 in this one uh, against Washington, like you said, and he should be facilitating the 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 rotations for Dagonal make it hard to bet on anybody but Chet and SGA consistently. To be honest with you, and maybe some Jalen Williams in there, but yeah, you know the thing with Giddy is he's been shooting really well also, so I, I don't see why you would keep him off the floor. But uh, Daniel Gafford. I'm going back to that game as well. I'm going over seven and a half boards for him at minus 104. I do think Chet's going to get his, but like Chet's not limiting anybody from getting rebounds. There's There's been some games where you just watch him like go up and actually bang bodies with a big center in the NBA and just kind of crumple to the ground because he still has some weight to gain. Um, they can't guard him, so give him his props, but he can't really rebound over very many of them either. So for Gafford, the seven and a half is a nice number here. I, I honestly thought it might be eight and a half when I started looking at it and was like, great, seven and a half for, for even uh, juice there is wonderful. We're talking about a situation where it's going to be a lot of points, uh, a lot of shots for sure. And, and OKC is not, let's put it this way, a lot of pace. And Washington's defense is awful everywhere, but especially uh, historically bad at home where it's 126.7 defensive rating. OKC on the road, though, not quite as good. Uh, they still play at about 102 pace, but not nearly the the offensive rating at home, uh, which is at like 122, where they're scoring 120 points per game. Drop that by about six on the road, which means more missed shots. Their field goal percentage and true percentage much worse. Not much worse, but noticeably worse on the road for them uh, than it is at home. Actually, earlier in the season, it was much worse. Now it's just kind of worse. And like, while I agree, like they, they will be getting theirs, uh, like when there are rebounds, Daniel Gafford will be in 
in there, I think, guarding Chet consistently. <clears throat> like he's gotten minutes when he's played uh, a number of uh, in a number of games where there's like centers that need to be guarded, and there's really no one else to guard. Like Kuz is not touching uh, uh, Chet, right? He's if anything, they're going to need some help when when Chet is playing a little bit further out, so that Gaffer doesn't have to go too far out. But he's not going to get played off the floor from that standpoint because there's going to be a center on the floor for for the Thunder. Um, when you look at the the way that Chet's sort of giving up boards to people, the last three starters uh, centers that they faced on the road, Joker had 13 rebound chances and 10 boards. The, the correlation here is all these dudes had a lot of rebound chances and they gobbled up almost all of them. Uh, 13 and 10 for Joker, or 14 boards on 17 chances for Capella, 12 boards for on 21 chances for Claxton. And Claxton's definitely the the sort of smallest, obviously, of, of those three dudes. Even backups, though, where we're getting boards on Chet, who's getting close to 30 minutes. Uh, and we're talking about DJ, DeAndre Jordan had eight, Okongwu had seven in the same game uh, that Capella was getting boards. So, yeah, they're, they're, everybody's allowed to get them. That's why they give up the most to uh, centers on the season. And I, I don't really want to touch Gafford to, like, have to put the ball back in or anything. Chet's really good at at jump timing his jumps for blocks. So like, that's very possible that Gaffer gets blocked a couple times, but I do think he'll gobble up the boards on him. Yeah. I actually was looking that way on Chet is, is the over two and a half blocks against this wizards team that, you know, is out there for entertainment. They're, they're just trying to, trying to get to the rim, uh, you know, make something happen. And, and that, you know, that, that is generally the type of matchup where Chet can rack up a bunch of blocks and, and yeah, like he does get kind of worked on the boards and then people think they can go right up against him, but it's like, yeah, you might get that rebound, but you're, you're not just laying it up on me. Cause I've got this crazy wingspan. So I like the look, uh, maybe we'll see some Bilal Kulabali out there matching up with Chet. That would be interesting. Uh, awesome. don't see, don't see any props for him yet, but, um, yeah, I, I think the Wiz. You know, this is kind of a fun game where where they'll be back and forth. I think uh, I I don't know. I, I don't think they'll get run off the floor. I think this is kind of a a take a pause moment for the Thunder on this road trip, and and you know not necessarily be that that killer that they need to be in some of these tougher matchups coming up. And they've played a lot of home games lately, so on the road, I think it will be a little closer. A lot of home games. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that. They've got some roadies coming up. I definitely think they want to win this one, but um, I do think you can play with some rotations a little bit too if you're the uh, the Thunder. And they do that outside of, like I said, Shy and, and Jay Will and, and Chet. So that is all the time we have for you in this Play a Props video. Continue to follow along, like, and subscribe to that page. And until we see you next, happy betting. Stop, 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 stop.